Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are a busy entrepreneur architect. You're hustling to find the next project, meet with clients, keep the bills paid, and if you're lucky, maybe find some time to design. So how do you continue to learn what you need to know to grow? How do you find the information and the training you need to become more effective, more efficient, more successful? I know you're busy because I too am an entrepreneur architect. That's why we built the Entree Architect membership. On the first Wednesday of every month, we invite an expert into the academy and they teach us about one specific topic on how to succeed at business. 60 minutes each month, live training and Q&A. Then you can get right back to work. And when you're a member, you gain access to so much more. Unlimited access to business resources, a video library, a private member forum with hundreds of entrepreneur architects just like you. Everything you need to build a better business is available right now at Entree Architect. Subscribe today at entrearchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark R. LePage. And you're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 283. And this week, we're talking about the power of sketching with the co-hosts of the Coffee Sketch Podcast, Kurt Neiswender and Jamie Crawley. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto, Easy Online Payroll, Benefits, and HR built for the modern small business. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, 
BIM, specifications, and so much more. And FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Kurt Nicewender and Jamie Crawley, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hello, thanks for having us. Hi, Mark. Great to be here. Yeah, it's this is this is going to be fun because these these are two friends that I've known for a long time, virtually and occasionally, sort of in person. We bump into each other at conferences and and things like that. But but we've known each other for a long time online, and and um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you guys because. This is another example of making friends and developing relationships via the internet. You know, I've built so many relationships that are real relationships, real friendships uh, over the internet, you know, with people that, you know, I actually haven't ever met in real life, but I have real personal relationships with them. You know, I'm friends with them. If, that, if they needed me, if there was an issue in their life and they needed me, I would go to help them. That's the type of relationships we build. Uh, in in this community of architects that we have, and I'm sure that you guys have experienced that. I'm sure that that others who are listening have experienced that. It's just part of the time that we're living in, um, and and at this point, it's sort of getting, um, you know, that's the way life is. That it's not such a surprise anymore, right? That mm-hmm. when we first started doing this, because you know we've all sort of experienced you know life without that, um, but you know. It's just the way it is these days. So I wanted to bring you guys on and have that conversation about, you know, relationships and friendships over the internet and 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 uh, where those kind of things lead. Um, because you guys have had you you started a podcast, um, and I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about that. And because you guys have, you know, I, I don't know this, the origin story of the podcast. I don't know if you've met <laughs> on online and became friends, or whether you knew each other some other way. But we're going to talk about that. But let's start with origin stories, just like I always always do. Um, let's start with you, Kurt. Let's let's go back to where you discovered architecture and what inspired you to become an architect. You're both architects, um, mm-hmm. and share that story to where we are today. And then we'll go to Jamie, and then we'll talk about uh, the podcast and how you got it started and why you got it started and all that good stuff. Maybe we can inspire some other architects to do similar things. So, Kurt, what's your story? Sounds good. Um, well. I started, um, I grew up, I was born and raised in Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, so East Coast, um, but to a an American father and a Guatemalan mother, uh, my dad wound up um, meeting her in Guatemala while he was on business, uh, doing a lot of Central American uh, work back back in the, the 70s, I, I guess, at this point, um, trying to trace it all back. Um, and so, but my, my father was originally from California, so I'll get to that in a second. But growing up, I was pretty interested in, in drawing in general, comic books, comic book art kind of inspired me to uh, sketch on my own. And then I enjoyed art classes in grade school. And um, so I would sketch and enjoy art and various uh, crafts or creative things with, you know, using your hands. And then um, visually, I was a big fan of this old house. I guess maybe being in the New England area, yeah, uh, it was you know like the celebrity status or something you know for us New Englanders. Uh, but so I did watch a lot of this old house. But it, 
to me, the mo- most exciting parts of that show was um, the the parts before the finish, right? Before the drywall, the plaster, the materials. It's when you could see the framing, see them working on the mechanical and the electrical and the, the plumbing. So everything the behind the walls, the skeleton. And it was very fascinating to me as a kid to see um, how a building went together before, you know, what you can't see now when all the walls are finished. Uh, So then, you know, fast forward through grade school, uh, when it came time to apply to college, uh, I I really was just filling out the applications and, and, you know, came time to check the box that said, uh, you know, declare a major. And I I kind of looking, I also, I forgot to mention, (laughs) I'm a twin. So me and my twin brother are doing this at the same time. And I remember sitting at the table looking at my brother and then look, look at my dad and say, well, I don't know what, what should I check? And, and <laughs> what should I, I, I do for the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. This is, this little box is like the most pivotal moment at, to my, you know, life at this time. So, um, I, honestly, I believe my dad suggested, he said, you know, you, you're seem to be interested in how buildings or go together and you have, you know, some talent in, in drawing why don't you try architecture? And it, it really kind of came together and I said, okay, check the box. And so coming back to my father, who is originally a, a Californian, uh, I applied to four schools, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, UT Austin, and, um, and USC in Los Angeles. And USC, so it was the farthest one away, but it was my a suggestion of my father's who was alumni or alumnus of USC. He said, well, you know, my school is pretty good at architecture. Why don't you apply there? And I said, okay. <laughs> and I, so I sent in all those applications and I, I was accepted to all of them. And uh, once I got the acceptance from USC in Los Angeles, I, well, this is this is the warmest place of all the places I applied to. So I'm going to go to the Having grown up California. in Connecticut, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where, you know, what got me out to Los Angeles. So, you know, started in Connecticut, uh, went to school in L.A. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, the first day of architecture school, the introduction, first day of studio is when I really, you know, made that, when that decision to change or, pick that career for my, for my life, uh, path. Um, the first year instructor, Paul Tang, he said, uh, you know, he asked everybody what we thought of what architecture was and, uh, everyone had different answers and no one quite had the answer he was ready to give us. And he said, it's about designing space. It's not about walls, roofs, floors, materials, as much as you're creating space. And then that really kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, wait a minute, you mean the air, you know, the air that's not (laughs) everything that's not in between all the other stuff. Right. And that sort of, (laughs) I I don't know, philosophical um, hammer over the head at, you know, the beginning of first year really said, wow, this is really intriguing to me. And, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with this. And, you know, that was all before all the, future all-nighters and all that stuff to come but (laughs) 
So that's kind of, and then I, I, how far do you want me to go forward to, to, to where we or? are, where we are today? So how do you get from oh. first year architecture school to where we are now? Okay. So, um, I made it through five years at USC, right? This is probably no surprise, right? I graduated. Um, and I stayed in Los Angeles after graduation. Um, so I finished in 03 with my BARC, my five year. And then I worked in LA, um, all the way through 2008 when, uh, the recession pretty much rocked all of Los Angeles, well, the whole country, yeah, but the whole world, uh, everyone, I, you know, I, I talked about this before and I, you know, I don't want to sound like a horror story, but yeah, you know, everyone in, I was working in a sort of 20 person office, I think maybe down to 15. And then, yeah, at the end, it was right at the end of 2008, the, the, the boss basically said, I, I, we're out, like, we, I have no money to pay everybody. And so he laid everybody off. So it wasn't like selective. It just kind of hit just, everybody. Did he close or did he, did he just sort of go back to his own thing and, and just let everybody go? He, so I, I believe he's still working. And then, um, but what I think, yeah, he retracted down to whatever he could handle by himself. And then throughout 2009, me and a couple other people would uh, come in from time to time and do a little bit of drawing or 3d modeling. I think for me, you know, what at least got me some, um, income through 2009 was that I was, I decided, you know, early in my career, I was like, well, I, I enjoy 3d modeling and it's something that people, not everybody is doing. And I think that helped me be one of the persons to come back to the office. Um, more regularly through 2009. So at least became, what Seth Godin calls that a linchpin. You became a linchpin. You became, uh, you became the, the, the person that, that everybody needed at that moment. Yeah. And so it's kind of what I, you know, what I was, I didn't really think of it that way at the time, but I was, you know, something that was interesting to me, but anyway, so, so, uh, my always, wife, always make yourself indispensable. Right. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And, and, um, so that so then at that time actually in 2005 I had met my wife or my future wife who is from Michigan and so we met on the beach in LA which is a very uh very LA like LA like story <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah which you know the rare times I actually went to the beach you know, people in LA, like they're always going to the beach, but you know, when you live out there, it's just there and you don't go as often as you really think you, right, right. people it's think like, you do. <laughs> it's like me growing up in New Jersey, a half hour from the Statue of Liberty and having not gone to the Statue of Liberty until I was about 47. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I saw it all the time, but I never actually went to it until I was older. Yeah. And so, um, try and weave this together. So when we, we met, we got married in 2008 and then because of the recession and she's not an architect, but you know, nobody had jobs. LA is a little expensive to live for young, younger people. So, and my wife was homesick as well. You know, she said, I kind of had enough of California. You know, what if we just moved to Michigan, um, closer to my family, cost of living is a lot lower and all. And I, and me, I, you know, I think having grown up on the East coast, did school on the West coast, and architecture kind of making me more adventurous as far as seeing new places. 
I said, Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Let's, let's give it a go. And I, you know, luckily or not luckily, but, uh, honestly having a a strong relationship with her, her parents, her family, you know, definitely makes it easier to say, Oh yeah. Okay. We we can move in with your parents for a little while while, while the recession (laughs) settles itself out. So that's, that's how we bounced. So now we are, we have been in Michigan now for 10 years and, um, for the first couple of years, you know, obviously the recession was well nationwide and global in and in, in it's all of this rippling effect. But so Michigan wasn't a hotbed of architecture in 2009, 10, 11. <laughs> and so I kind of had a couple of odd jobs until I landed where I'm working now at, at uh, Sedgwick and Ferweta Architects in downtown Flint, Michigan. And now we, my wife and I live in Flint and work in Flint. So it's about a mile from home. It's a nice, easy uh, commute. And so that's what I've been doing for the past. Let's see. I, I just passed my seven year mark at the office. So congratulations. Uh, that's, that's thanks. And that's, uh, that's so where that you are I now. So brought let, you all the way up. Let's get into the podcast and all of that after we talk to, to Jamie. Sure. And then we'll, 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 I've been to Flint. It's actually one of the only places in Michigan that I've been to. Oh, wow. When I was a kid, my dad was a Corvette collector and there was a, Cor- oh. the Corvette, um, the, uh, factory was there at the time. Oh yeah. Right. And so we wow. visited, it was a, it was a national Corvette restorers society event there. And he took it, the whole family there and we took a tour of the, the Corvette factory. It was very cool. Wow. Made, that, made, made the pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The Chevy, yeah. Chevy in the hole. Do you remember that? Is that, we call it, well, it was called Chevy in the hole because yeah. it, it's kind of in a depressed, a lower elevation area yeah. by the river. It's a terrible nickname now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially when you think of where Chevy went a few yeah. years ago, <laughs> they were literally in a hole. Yeah. I, I was, a, I was very young when I did that. I barely remember it, but I know I was there. Oh, All right, cool. Jamie, you have 32 seconds. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> no I'm kidding. You have all the time you need. This is what so the show was, is about. So. so I was born. No, um, <laughs> no actually, it's uh, a lot of people don't know that. Um, I mean, unless they sort of read those Internet bios and stuff. But um, no, I, I was actually. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear yep. you. Yep. Okay. Okay. All of a sudden, it's like I looked at Mark and, and like I, the mouth was moving and the words weren't coming out. So I, you know. Yeah, we're good. It's it's always those technical difficulties that throw you. But no, actually, um, a lot of people don't realize because I don't have an accent. But uh, I was I was born and raised in uh, in Montreal, um, in Quebec, Canada. Uh, so uh, the the part that that most people think of as you know that sort of bilingual portion of of Canada. I mean, the whole country is officially bilingual, but um, you know, the province of Quebec you really um, you really do get that wonderful sort of European multicultural flavor. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that was something that I always sort of grew up with, um, moved to the United States when I was pretty young, um, and, um, for my dad's job. And, um, uh, he worked for, a, a, a company that was headquartered originally in, in Canada and then became an inter- international company and their, their head corporate headquarters moved to the U S and part of his job, we sort of bounced to, um, areas of quality control that they would move that sort of group around the country. Um, so we started out in Atlanta, Georgia, um, in the seventies, uh, which was quite a culture shock, um, for, 
uh, Canadians who had, had yeah. never, um, you know, and, and mind you, when, when my folks moved to the U S like the whole family and I'm an only child, um, it was just sort of the three of us and, and the rest of the family was still in Canada. Um, but we would, as we moved around the country, um, we lived in California for a long time. Uh, so I kind of grew up on the West coast, uh, San Jose area, which was fantastic. Um, a lot of good friends that I, I'm still in contact with there and, and, and I think that experience really, you know, some of those experiences really sh- shape my, my sort of worldview. Um, but, uh, you know, especially because, uh, like I was saying, it was just my parents and myself kind of bouncing around the country. We lived in, in Nashville for a little while uh, and then eventually ended up in Texas and Dallas. Um, but one of the things that was ever present in my life was that when as we moved, which was sort of a constant, um, we were always in a place that my parents really never knew anything about. <laughs> and so my mom, um, you know, my mom only has a high school education, um, you know, and so I'm the first in my family to go to college. Um, but, uh, and my dad has a technical degree, uh, that he got at night, um, which, uh, and he did very well for himself, you know, in doing that, um, which always inspired me as well. But it, you know, it was, you know, two things were sort of constant in all those travels was, one, we had to learn about wherever we were. Um, and so part of that was sort of learning the history and the culture of a place was really important for my mom and dad. Um, they really wanted me as well as themselves, I think, to really kind of know about wherever we were. Um, and, and some of that led to some you know, interesting road trips and adventures um, and saw actually ended up seeing quite a lot of architecture that I didn't realize was going to probably influence, influence me a lot later on in life. Yeah. Um, and then the other part was we would always go home. So every summer, you know, our, our summer vacations, aside from exploring wherever we were, you know, whatever locale we had sort of been moved to because of work was we would go to Montreal. And so we would spend time with family and, um, for the architecture folk, um, if you remember your architecture history class, um, Montreal has quite an architectural history. Um, wow. there's, Buildings made Nice van der Rohe, uh, you know, I am pay, um, you know, Buckminster Fuller um, and all of these Moshe Shafti, you know, you know, habitat, you know, all of these buildings were a backdrop uh, as I was growing up. And a tremendous and, history. I mean, it's a colonial city. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and just, you know, even even just the history itself. I mean, yeah. and, and sort of the multicultural history of it all, um, you know, is uh is is amazing um and so it was it was one where you know i was born on the island um in the same hospital my dad was and my grandfather before him um and you know so we, when we would go back in the summers i would see all these amazing buildings um and and i think the art and the culture that my mom really emphasized for me really um you know really resonated i was if there's one other constant is drawing and i, I think we'll probably talk about that quite a bit um, uh, today, but, uh, I had no architects in the family. So it was something from an origin story of, of me becoming an architect. That was, um, that was certainly something that I never even knew what an architect was. Um, so when we ended up in Texas and landed in Texas and it was time to go to college, um, I wanted to go to art school. Um, mom and dad, (laughs) mom and dad said, uh, no, I think, you know, let's, let's get, uh, let's, let's get some university behind you. Um, and so then it was, you know, sort of as Kurt was talking about the pick the major. And so, you know, I didn't know what, you know, I just figured, well, it's, I got to pick a profession 
And so not knowing what an architect was, I picked lawyer. So I actually went to, as a pre-law poli-sci major when I went to college um, originally, and that lasted all of one semester. Yeah, um, I was going to say, that probably didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, that lasted all of one semester. And and the interesting part of it was that's how I sort of discovered architecture was um, there was a lot of conversations of I've definitely made the wrong choice. Uh, I went to Texas A&M University. I loved the university, um, but I did not love the degree program I was in. Um, and really didn't know what to do and was sort of ready to come home and ended up bumping into a friend on campus who was drawing in a sketchbook and didn't realize that I, you know, I was like, oh, well, I didn't know you drew. I draw all the, de- all the time. I have my sketchbook with me, too. And they said, oh, well, this is for class. And I was like, there's a class where you get to draw? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell me more about this class. Um, and well, so I have to go really, back to my law practice classes. Yeah, I got to go uh, read the law book. Wait, wait a second. Talk politics. No. Um, so, yeah, they and and that was sort of fortunate. They were they were taking a, a class from the associate dean at the time uh, who did their intro to design. And he's sort of legendary uh, kind of professor at, in the College of Architecture at A&M. And she said, oh, well, you know, you need to come over and meet Rodney. I met Rodney Hill. Um, I'm still friends with him, talk to him all the time. Um, and he really, you know, you walk into his office and you see sort of the, you know, the breadth and depth that architecture can be as a creative outlet. And I was like, yeah, this is totally for me. Um, I don't know if I want to be an architect, but I definitely, this is the place on campus I need to be. Um, and so that's really where it started. Um, and I probably didn't realize that I wanted to be an architect architect, uh, actually get licensed in practice and and sort of pers- have that pursued until um, I studied in Europe um, in my junior year. Um, knew I wanted to go um, more for that sort of cultural exploration and, and travel. Um, but uh, that sort of cemented it was, you know, sort of seeing that and then and then spending time with other, um, you know, other students who were just like me trying to f- find their way. And those discussions really, I think, really cemented it. Um, and and I, and I knew I wanted to be a, be an architect. Um, so uh, did that. Graduated. Uh, worked in Dallas for a few years. Um, and uh, and was married at the time. Um, and 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 she's she's also an architect. Um, so we were definitely doing the you know architecture you know day night um, weekend you know all of our trips were architecture. Um, a lot of our friends were. Um, but it, it, Texas is sort of that way. Um, both of you guys know, uh, you know, quite a bit about sort of, you know, Texans that you've met, you know, through this, uh, through this adventure and, and our, our architecture culture here is, is definitely quite unique, even though we're quite a big state. Um, and, uh, I had the opportunity to teach a little bit while I was in school, um, and taught design studio, um, which is a story in and of itself. But I, I always sort of viewed architecture as one where I wanted to teach and practice and sort of have a foot in both worlds, not necessarily one or the other, um, but I liked the idea of both. I mean, uh, you, you study architects and sort of study the, the practice of it, and that sort of resonated with me. It made sense. Um, the, the people that we were studying in books and, and in seminars were doing that, and I wanted to kind of understand it better, and 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 I think it really sort of fuels my creativity um, and sort of works for me. So when I was in Dallas, what got me out of Dallas was an opportunity to teach full time. 
Um, so my employer at the time who I loved working for, uh, still talked to, uh, as a mentor, um, said, yeah, you definitely need to go take this, take it as a sabbatical, uh, go teach, uh, cause it's a short-term contract. Yep. Um, it, um, so I taught it at, uh, Prairie View A&M. Um, there's eight accredited schools of architecture in Texas. Um, at the time there were only seven, now there's eight. Um, but Prairie View is a historically black college. Uh, so it's an HBCU. Um, and it's actually very, very close to, to Texas A&M. So I had friends who went to school there. Um, and so I, I'd been to the campus and, and knew the program. Um, it's decidedly a lot smaller than A&M's. A&M's is quite a large program and Prairie View was quite small. Um, but it was a great experience teaching. So I taught there full time um, for about two years. And then then um, eventually um, worked for myself very, very briefly. And... Um, and then moved to Austin. So that's that's sort of where I am now. Um, and in working in Austin has been uh, quite a good experience. And as Kurt was referring, I think the, the biggest life change in that sort of practice thread um, was the, you know, of course, the recession. Um, and so I was working at a firm. I was their lead designer doing a lot of um, commercial and, and, and public projects um, in South Texas, uh, worked on a, a brand new city hall. Um, you know, designed it, you know, carried it all the way through. So, you know, all these wonderful experiences at this firm and then the recession hit us and it was, uh, you know, just a, a slow whittling away of a firm. Um, and, you know, you, you realize that that at some point, you know, it's, you're going to be the next one to go. Um, and you're seeing colleagues and friends, you know, you know, and that's what led me to sort of take a, take a jump. Um, and, um, now I'm working with HA Architecture, um, and basically that was a, a situation where uh, an engineer who had a company for quite a long time, it's sort of an interesting business model, um, they wanted to invest in their company um, by basically starting another division. And, that's, um, and they had worked with design architects early on in their career, and they thought that that sort of creative outlet was a good parallel um, companion to their their engineering business. Um, they were doing mostly forensic engineering. And uh, so that's where I came in was basically let's let's invest in an architecture studio and start it from scratch. Um, and so um, that's that's where I am today. And, and you know, several years in and 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 quite a good experience. Um, but all, all the while, I'd say the one thing that neither Kurt or I mentioned in our origins, which I think is probably pretty relevant for both of us is sort of involvement with the AIA as well. Um, you know, certainly for me, um, Texas A&M in, in, in school had a real strong connection to the AIA in practice in Texas, but then moving between several different cities, I think, you know, the AIA, you know, in, in Dallas and then in the Brazos chapter and then, um, uh, in Austin, you know, really kind of afforded me the opportunity to have colleagues and peers and sort of a, a little bit of a safety net, um, to kind of get yourself started and, um, and, and it's, it's certainly uh, proved to be pretty valuable, um, you know, working at the state level as well on chapters and you know, committees and, and whatnot, um, you know, that, that get led to some, some national opportunities. And that's actually how I, I ended up meeting Kurt. How, how did that happen? Because you're on the opposite ends of the, of the nation. One's as, yeah, no. pretty much as far north as you can go, and the other is pretty close to as far south as you can go. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it, it was uh, um, several years ago now, um, but uh, there's the Young Architects Forum um, yeah. is is our 
you know, it's it's really not a member group, but it's this wonderful um, national committee, effectively, where you have you know individuals uh, in some in some regions they're elected, um, and sometimes they're appointed. You know, in, in my case, I was, I was fortunate to be appointed by Texas. Uh, Texas is a single state region, and Michigan's a single state region. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both Kurt and I met while we were representing our representative states. Um, on on the Young Architects Forum, and then met quite a quite a few other folks that you know um, through that same kind of adventure, and uh, and and that's that's really where it, it you know th- those some of those opportunities presented themselves as well. Yeah, the Young Architects Forum is a great place for young architects to get involved in the AIA early and to meet other people. If if you are an, a young architect who sort of wants to get involved and not sure where. That's where you go. Go find your local chapter of the the uh, Young Architects Forum and go join that and get involved because that'll take you to learn more about the AIA and to meet other people and and this is a perfect example of that happening here. And so, where did so you guys met each other there and and built a relationship and a friendship? And so, how long ago was that? Into to until you sort of decided that you wanted to do something together and partner up on a project here. Um, well, let's see. I'm trying to, Jamie did mention this I, several years and I'm trying to count the date, the, the year back. <laughs> Cause I was on for two terms. So I think I started in 2013 through 16 or 15, whichever. Now I can't remember. And, and at some point Jamie had one term, but when we met, we were, we, you know, there for a whole term each, but, you know, so two years worth of meetings and things like that. And it really kind of surprised me. It was just a fast friendship. We had a lot in common right away and just kind of stayed in touch. You know, with the Young Architects Forum, you only have one um, face-to-face meeting that's funded by AI National. And then, you know, the other opportunities that you can try and get together informally like at the conference or grassroots or other things like that um so um yeah so we've we've known each other about about five years um i'd say it's at least at least five years now and so what we we as you start to as kurt was saying as you realize where these opportunities are to kind of connect with the people that you want to see um conference was something that we always you know saw so we've uh We've always coordinated our trips, um, room together, mm-hmm. um, and and then collected other folks for for dinners and and you know different opportunities amongst that. But then you know we also would you know call each other you know quite a bit to sort of talk about some of the the Young Architects Forum committees that we were on because um, a lot of the the work at National ends up not necessarily being related to your individual chapter. Um, it's sort of a, a bigger, broader focus. You can kind of think about some bigger issues. And so you have a, um, you work with a, a collection of different folks. Um, and both of us also um, did some work on NCARB committees. And so some of that brought Kurt to, to Austin. So we would visit, you know, when he was here for that. Um, or we just sort of get, pull each other for some advice about our our small farms yeah. that we were in. Um, how much, how and, much and did, that, how I'd much? say that, that continued for a while. How much, how much did uh, social media play in, in that relationship? Oh, well, you know, for, so I'll, I'll admit I was not, <laughs> not a, 
uh, a very regular user until I met Jamie, who somehow natively can can put together a tweet and a Instagram post and even connect his Facebook in there, which I, you know you you don't use as much for certain certain things, but he fires these things off like super natively. And I was like totally impressed. But then I, then I felt a little bit better when I saw him use an actual computer. (laughs) 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 I felt better about myself. Uh, So, but social media, I think to be on, to be more serious, it was something that, you know, the YF encouraged us to use in our own regions and kind of connect um, with the issues and, and sort of spread the word of various AI issues for emerging professionals. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, let me give this a try. So that's when I started kind of using Twitter more. And then, you know, that evolved into Instagram once we started talking about um, the, the visual, the visual aspects, sketching or buildings or, you know, especially while visiting <clears throat> conference cities and things like that. And then it, it became a way for us to sort of, uh, you know, sort of ping back and forth different ideas too. So I would, you know, tag him and then he would tag me back and we kind of keep, it keeps that, um, long distance relationship, I guess, a little more close Yeah, for each other. <clears throat> And and we would, you know, we would, you know, you know, it's sort of like dropping somebody a note and then, you know, then you might catch up on the phone later, right. you know, but it's, you know, there's, there's some delay in there, which is kind of good. But, uh, you know, Kurt is also, um, you know, kind of peeling back the curtain, uh, is Kurt, Kurt loves his technology, um, <laughs> and, and more about his technological experiments. <clears throat> so the, I, I'd say the, the one version of the origin for our podcast, um, yeah is that Kurt was on a kick of doing a video blog. And so about a year ago, um, he was sort of pursuing this kind of interesting idea that we had talked about and he was asking me advice about, and he was pursuing it and in Flint and interviewing as sort of a Flint architect, um, different folks in the community, uh, Flint and Detroit, uh, and sort of showing, showing the, um, showing what he was seeing, but also talking to folks. And then there was sort of a, a, a moment where he's like, well, this isn't exactly how I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, and, and as we started talking through how it could evolve or how it could change, we realized that, wow, maybe there's this opportunity for us to do something together. Um, and because at that point, we hadn't really talked about that per se as a co- collaboration. So at the New York conference for AIA, um, that was really where the impetus for some of this the idea you know started right so that was a, a just over a year ago mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. that's right. AIA New York was in June we're recording this in late July so about just over a year you mm-hmm. you sort of discussed it and the or you know sort of the, the seed of the podcast started. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Gusto, Arcat, and FreshBooks. If you own a business or know someone who does, you probably know that us small firm business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some 
like filing taxes and running payroll, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing benefits and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. So let Gusto wear one of your many hats. You have better things to do. Listeners to the Entree Architect podcast get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O. The weather's beautiful, the pool is open, and the grill is on. It's summertime. And the last thing you want to do is to spend a long day in the office wrestling with broken files and archaic websites. RCAT, our friends at RCAT can help you save time by putting all the building products you need in one powerful search engine. RCAT.com isn't just a list of products, however. They also host the product's technical data like BIM and CAD files for you to download and use for your project. And to top it all off, it's free. It's free to use as much as you want. You don't even need to register. No email, no anything. Just go there. You can download whatever you want, as much as you want, and it's free. So stop watching the sun go down in the office trying to find the right information. Build better content with RCAT.com. That's RCAT, A-R-C-A-T.com. Do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat. It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been busy, insanely busy, ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. That's free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card. Free. 30 days. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. Gusto, RCAT, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today. And thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So, but it, the podcast is called Coffee Sketch. So, where did the podcast name come from? Well, I mean, so Jamie has been so his Instagram feed uh, called, called Fallout Studio, um, not Coffee Sketch Podcast, but we uh, couldn't he he couldn't grab that one right away. 
But, you, you know, Jamie's a super talent, and I'll speak, I can toot his horn, is that he's a super talent, talented sketcher and very creative and very quick at sketching. And and sort of the, the quickness is, is kind of the, the intent here is in a snapshot, he creates a sketch, anything that is, you know, inspiring him or on his mind. And then he has been curating his Instagram feed with, um, uh, it's, it's not super staged, but there is a, a, a intent to kind of showcase the quickness of the sketch by putting a coffee cup and, uh, you know, his implement, a pen, a pencil or, uh, crayon or anything that he uses to draw with piece of charcoal out of the fireplace Char- charcoal <laughs> yeah and uh um you know and sort of hashtag it as coffee sketch and so the the after last last year's conference um summer you know we were talking and thinking about this this idea of to collaborate together and do something creatively together i was what kept scrolling through his Instagram feed and I said, Hey, what about this? What if we, you know, take your sketches and try and do a podcast that briefly, you know, podcasts are audible. So people can't really, they can't really see the sketch being made, but we can uh, talk about it because one of the things I was interested in uh, being here in Flint is there is somewhat of a renaissance or a, 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 a rebuilding going on in Flint as well as Detroit in a different scale. And there's a lot of buildings either getting demolished or getting replaced or renovated. And my half of the idea was that like, I would try and document a building in visual form or, or verbal form. And I had this idea that was kind of called interviews with a building right? Instead of people, buildings. Yeah. And then Jamie's, Insta- his Instagram and his sketches was this really real-time feed. So, you know, daily sketches of, of buildings or uh, figure drawing or art pieces. And so I said, well, what if we, you know, take half of each idea, put it together and, and we could call it the Coffee Sketch Podcast. And we try and keep them short, which has something we're working on. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't realize we could talk so long about uh, a couple of uh, small sketches. But so so I think that that for me was I said, hey, what about this idea? And then Jamie said, well, I think that could be interesting. And that's kind of we roughly mapped out the first episode and then we recorded it in March, April. March, February, March, somewhere around there. March, yeah. And then we, then we were like, okay, well, let's try and like log a bunch of these before the upcoming AI conference, so that it didn't look like we did one or two. (laughs) And then we put, you know, and then we can go out there and kind of talk about it, you know, with friends and kind of do a little promo promotion because we hadn't, we, we didn't do any talking about it really until the conference. So that's that's my nutshell. Yeah, and, and I think it's 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 one where you know we 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 knew that if we were going to do it, just like you know when people talk about blogs or um, or writing or anything that ha- you know requires sort of that effort and time, uh, is that we knew that if we didn't schedule it 
um, and be, um, you know, very deliberate about it, um, which Kurt, you know, you know, to his credit is, is very organized in that way. Um, and then, you know, we're into episode 20 now. Um, and, and it's really kind of, they've evolved a little bit over time. Um, but it's, it's one where, you know, I have a lot of, uh, an interest in a lot of different types of art. And so that, that influences an aspect of it. Um, you know, graffiti artist, uh, you know, Shepard Ferry, you know, as a graphic designer, you know, all those types of things, you know, where, you know, the medium is the message. Um, and so, you know, coffee sketch was, was a, was literally born out of, you know, the last recession, uh, and me starting the studio and collaborating with peers and, you know, talking to some friends, you know, when, when we talk a little bit about it on one of the episodes, but a friend of mine sort of joked with me, you know, as I was starting the studio with not a whole lot of work was, well, Jamie, you know, you've always sketched every day. Why don't you just start posting some of these sketches to Instagram? And, and, and I, so I said, well, what do you mean like this? And so I took a picture of the sketch I was doing at the table and there happened to be a coffee cup there. And he said, yeah, exactly like that. And, and then it's, you know, I mean, that's, it, it sounds, you know, you know, crazy, but that's literally how it started. And so after that, there's a couple, if you kind of go back way back in time where, you know, the, the format changes a little bit about how I take the photo and, but uh, it, it's really kind of come back to that original idea. And, and as Kurt was saying is, you know, I admire a lot of other people online, um, you know, and, and have gotten to talk to a few of them uh, as well, who they show s sketches in their sketchbook. And, you know, it's, it's clear, you know, that they have a, you know, a, a wonderful talent, but they're taking a lot of time doing those drawings and, and they're doing, you know, they might do it in situ to start out with a sketch uh, and sort of plan it out. And then they take a photograph and then they work on it, you know, over several different sessions afterwards in that sketchbook, you know, back at, you know, back at the studio, back at the bat cave. And, um, and that's great. Um, and I, and I love it and I enjoy those, but that's not what I'm doing. Um, and for me, it's, it's more of a daily meditation and an opportunity to kind of clear my head, get some thoughts down on the page. Sometimes it's a project and sometimes it's just, I just need to think creatively. And this is the way I've always done it, you know, since I was a little kid. How long do the sketches that you do take you? I, I, I purposely try and limit the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, there's been the, the last series, this last week and a half, I've actually afforded myself a little bit more time. I'm up to about 25 minutes, but uh, the ones that are the bulk of the ones that we've been talking about on the podcast are in the 10 to 15 minute range. Um, and that's intentional. Uh, sometimes I set an alarm for myself just in case I get totally engrossed, but it's, it's one where I, I want the time limit. I want the artificial constraint. Right. Um, you know, I, I want it, to, it's pencils down, you know, test is over. Um, because part of it is also, I just need to get on with the rest of my day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it, and it adds to the practice. It adds, yeah, it, adds exactly. it allows you to do it every day because now you only, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't need three weeks to finish it and, <laughs> right. and it, it allows you to say, okay. Yeah. And you can look forward to it and right. it only takes 15 to 20 minutes to do it and you've accomplished something and you've created this ongoing project uh, that allows you to not only be creative, but to share your creativity and it's, right. inspire other people to do things like that. Well, and, and it's, it's sort of, you know, I, I joked, you know, one, one description was, you know, it's like people going to the gym, 
you know, you, you have a gym partner, you know, you know, yeah. somebody who's sort of, you know, your check. And for me, you know, with the sketches, because it's oftentimes me at a coffee shop or at home or at work, you know, for a few minutes, there really isn't that check. So the check ends up kind of coming in the form of me having to post it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't posted it in a couple of days, people say, Hey, is everything okay? <laughs> right. Right. That's right. There's some accountability <laughs> built into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Which I, which I like. And, and I think it's, it's good for me. Um, and we've, we've talked to, you know, Kurt and I've talked about it quite a bit is, you know, I, I'll try different techniques in the sketches, you know, to kind of push myself. And sometimes, you know, the sketch, you know, it doesn't come out the way I want it. And sometimes it's just not, not good, but I still post it. You know, or I, I try and work through it. And, you know, and as creative professionals, we know what that's sort of like, too, is that, you know, some days you're not feeling it. And some days it's it's harder to come up with that solution or that extra option for a client. And, um, you know, but you, you know, this this I find is a, is a way for me to sort of, you know, fine tune that um, and, and get a little practice in without the, you know, without that kind of pressure. Yeah. And so the podcast, you basically you take you take one of your sketches and that becomes the the seed of the conversation. So you start talking about that, and then I've noticed that very often you veer off into other discussions <laughs> and continue way beyond the sketch. That it inspires the beginning of the conversation, but but then it goes wherever you guys take it. And so what was is that sort of the format of the show now? That it's a couple of friends who have this mutual interest in drawing and architecture and you have something to start your conversation with and then you have a conversation about wherever it goes. I think, I think so. Um, we, so one of the things we wanted out of this is to keep it fun for both of us and not have, we didn't want to start something that we would go, Oh, I dread, you know, I'm going to dread recording this week. Or did it, you know, we wanted to make it fun. We're friends. We wanted to stay friends. And we didn't want it to be something that was going to be forced, right? We wanted to try and keep it as natural as possible. So what we have kind of settled on for the time being, at least, is, yeah, we're one to two sketches. We try not to do more than that. We realize that when when it took a long we were for a while, (laughs) and then we chopped it in half and tried to, because we we thought people would stop listening to us if, (laughs) if that was the case. But, um, you know, we joke all the time, like, it's like, you know, all six, uh, subscribers are going to, uh, stop subscribing, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So what we're trying to do is, um, you know, we obviously we, you know, the format of a podcast is audible. Um, but so we're trying to plant the seed. Uh, we post the sketches on the website and and iTunes when you download it should show as the sketch of the week kind yeah, of it does and and um hey it's working <laughs> the, tech, <laughs> the trick is working and uh and then we 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 try and talk about um and and both of us having sorry I'm jumping around but both of us having a little bit of a um background with education Jamie teaching in architecture and I teach adjunct a little bit here at the University University of Michigan Flint uh, and either art or kind of sustainability, depending on, cause they don't have architecture. And so we talk about some of the techniques in the sketch. So going back to like, you know, studio 101 or, you know, some of the early drawing techniques and use that as a, a, a little bit of a <clears throat> educational tool of describing, you know, how this sketch was made, especially in the 
the short sketches. Some of our, I think my favorite conversations have been when Jamie intentionally did like a two minute, five minute, 10 minute sketch series. And the amount of information or um, architectural dialogue out of a two minute sketch was sometimes, you know, the most information comes out of the least uh information i how do, i don't know how to explain yeah, it better yeah. than that but yeah well it was it was sort of you know it was our diy kind of peel back the curtain moment um in that episode but i think you know we always try and do that and one of the things the reason why we talk about the art aspect of a lot is that um you know as much as there's this sort of debate which i'm not going to get into right now about is architecture art or not you know because there's people who you know have that opinion and that's a whole nother discussion for you know offline for, for a for um, a coffee sketch podcast yeah episode. yeah for, yeah, yeah we, we've we've, <laughs> we've talked about that but um but 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 in reality is one thing that i realized as i was posting these coffee sketches and sort of um you know tagging a lot of architecture and and, and most of the sketches are architectural in nature um you know whether they're me in a, in a particular place drawing something that i'm seeing or it's a project or it's or it's something else um the the other aspect is that it's a lot of people who are not architects. I mean, it's really reached out to a, a, a very, very different kind of audience of people who are maybe illustrators or just enjoying the sketches, mm -hmm. um, you know, in and of themselves as as a as a static piece of art. And and I like that. And so I think part of the thing that we've sort of morphed the podcast a little bit is you know, as much as two architects <laughs> on the mic will tend to talk about architecture um, and architectural terms, we definitely want it approachable um, and accessible to a, kind of a broader kind of cultural audience where it's, you know, we're, if we're talking about, we've had some episodes where we've talked about some travel in some different cities and because we, we both have that opportunity at times to do that, whether it's a conference or vacation, is it's a great chance to talk about a different place and sort of the experiences in that place, you know, and that's that because that kind of gets folded into the discussion a little bit too. But, um, and then the drawing techniques, I mean, it's, you know, I'm definitely experimenting with them and I've taught, taught a lot of drawing courses. Um, and, um, that's something I'll continue to do. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that I think can resonate with a, a different people on different levels, you know? Yeah. So, and that's, and that's intentional on our part. Yeah, I I think sketching and drawing in general is one of the architect's superpower. You know that right. that from the outside world, the non-architect world, when we sit down with a roll of trace and we pull out a pen and we start sketching, people are fascinated that we can right. do that. You know, for us, it, we've been doing it our entire lives, and so it's not really that big of a deal. And we hang out with other architects; they can do it too. But when you do it in front of someone who can't draw or think they can't draw, which is usually the case. Right. Exactly. Um, they, they are fascinated. They really think that it's some magical power that we have. Um, and we do, you know, that if we can take an idea that's in our brains and transmit it to a piece of paper uh, or translate it to a piece of paper through our hand and a pen, it is a superpower. Um, not everybody can do that. And it's, and it's, it's, a, it's really great that you have not only been doing it, but have been sharing it on social media and now uh, taking it to the next level by talking about the process of doing it. Um, it's, it's a great show. I listen, I'm a subscriber and, uh, and I enjoy it and I encourage others to, to subscribe to it and listen to it because whether you're architects or not, uh, it's an interesting conversation 
clearly you guys have a bond. You guys are friends. You can see that and hear that in the, in the podcast. Um, and so I would, uh, I'd highly recommend people to, uh, to go subscribe. Thanks, we have Mark. seven. We now have seven subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been a subscriber since the, since the conference. Cause I didn't know you guys were doing it. And then right. we, we, uh, we met up at the conference. You guys started talking about it and, and I, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you guys were doing it. And so right, uh, yeah. I, that night I went to, so I got to go find this podcast because you guys <laughs> were talking about it and I didn't know anything about it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We haven't necessarily been marketing it the way that's, that's our, one of our, on our to-do list. Right, so yeah. we, we want to uh, definitely share it with more folks. So, uh, hopefully, and, and hopefully friends. this, this will get you a few more subscribers because it, it really is. It's a great uh, half hour, 45 minutes of listening to uh to two friends talk about something that many architects are really interested in so thanks uh, should should definitely go do that and, you know, one one more last question before i ask the final question that i ask everybody but i wanted to know about you know if other architects or anybody who's listening but other architects specifically have a passion you know or have an interest that they want to talk about um, and they 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 want to maybe they're Thinking with the idea of about putting together a podcast, um, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's not something you just sort of speak into a mic and then push a button and it's done. There's a whole process to it. Is is it worth it to you from from your point of view to to go through the process of doing it? I think I'll start because I I am the technical director. I don't <laughs> air quotes. I uh, self self appointed. Um, when we started talking about this, then I started uh, thinking about well, figuring out what the method, how how people are doing it. So I asked um, some people like Evan Troxel from mm -hmm. speaking of internet friends. You know, Evan and I have been um, sharing a lot of ideas back and forth for a couple of years, and then I actually met him face to face this year at the conference, which, you know, surprised Jamie even because uh, he, he'd already met him a couple times before. But yeah. if, um, it, if anybody doesn't know, Evan is one of the, the three co-hosts of the Arca Speak podcast, oh, which is another yes. podcast that you should subscribe to. Yes. Thanks for yeah adding. That. And and so I asked a few people like Evan about how what what some of the tools that are needed to, to produce this thing. And, and then also I asked Google and other things. And I actually, you know, there are podcasts about podcasting. Yeah. So I listen quite to a those. Few of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, another thing altogether. And so I tried to find a very simple, again, trying to keep things simple and DIY and low budget. Um, and I said, Jamie, you know, how about this? And here's our sort of level, level barrier of entry is sort of low and here it is and let, let's see what we can do. And I think, um, so my, my advice then for those who are interested in the idea is I, I think to get started is not super hard. I know there are from, from where we are now, we could probably, you know, add more equipment and add more paying tools, you know, websites and web stuff and hosting and all that. You can definitely ramp up in the costs there, but to get started is not too crazy expensive as I've found. I mean, we're making it work. And then I think the, to, the content, you know, is kind of, you know, for me and Jamie is keeping it 
fun and light and something that we enjoy talking about. So it's a natural. Um, so if you feel like that is a natural, you have something that you naturally enjoy talking about, I say go for that. You know, don't don't necessarily overthink it or try and invent um, a niche, you know, that you want to try and go for, but go for something that you feel naturally uh, inclined toward. And, and hopefully it, it is a, a niche. I, I, I think naturally the niche aren't in, right? Because I think that's how human nature is, right? Everybody is different and everybody has their own point of view. And I bet if somebody even started a coffee sketch podcast, you know, that is not Jamie or I, they would take it in a different direction right. as well, naturally. Right. Jamie, what's your thoughts on it? Well, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's absolutely been worth doing. I mean, and it's something I think what, you know, the, the, the part for me is that it was, um, you know, Kurt had this really kind of interesting idea and, and I think, you know, it, it really happened organically. Um, and it was one where, you know, what I would say is sort of advice to others is from the standpoint of, you know, you have peers and friends um, who are who know what you do and and know what you're good at uh, or know what you're knowledgeable about. Um, and and I think you can lean on them for that kind of advice and sort of, you know, I have this idea and sort of I think the sharing aspect of it and sort of being a little bit generous um, you know, we, we talked about Evan, you know, you know, being generous in sort of, you know, answering our questions and, and, and talking about some stuff with us, but there's plenty of pe- folks like that, you know, and they, they aren't necessarily all just on the internet. You know, they're, you know, they're people that you work with or, or, or friends who aren't even architects. And I think that that aspect of it, um, really got this going. I mean, I, it was something I'd always said to Kurt was, uh, and I'd been asked this by others is, so what's next for coffee sketch? Like, what do you do next with it? Like you do these sketches all the time. What are you going to do? And I often said, I'm not sure. I have a couple different ideas and I was never, you know, kind of confident enough, you know, with any of them. And then when Kurt, you know, really had this great idea, um, I, it really made a lot of sense. And I think what we've done is now made it sort of our journey um, and, you know, in the, in the, in the podcast. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of afforded us kind of that, that same opportunity to reconnect with some of those people who might've been, you know, giving us some advice early on, you know, what I've said about the sketches is I've actually done a a CEU seminar on coffee sketch, um, only once I'll probably do it again. It was a great experience, but it was sort of born out of the idea that like you were describing Mark, you know, is it is sort of a superpower we have, you know, we're all, we're all trained this way. Um, you know, whether, whether you love the way you sketch or you don't, you have the skill to do it. You have this, you have the skill to translate that information in your head. And what I found with, when I share my sketches and try and just, you know, here they are, Hey, what do you think is a lot of people say, you know, I really wish I sketched more or I, I, I don't know why I stopped. And so I kind of developed this seminar where it sort of talks about some of the techniques I use um, some of the neuroscience actually about drawing and memory, but it's also an opportunity for folks to kind of get out their sketchbook. And I, I actually had a bunch of architects in a room with, uh, we joked about the Conte crayons and charcoal is I brought in a bunch of paper and charcoal and forced them to do all their sketches with dirty charcoal. And <laughs> while they took notes and listened to the CE session and it was, it was really a lot of fun. Um, but that's, and that's, and I think that's the bottom line for us is the coffee sketch podcast and anybody who wants to do something like this, at the end of the day, it's gotta be fun too. Yeah. 
Yeah, that uh, that seminar would be a great paid course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had somebody sort of suggest you should do that. that. You yeah. should do that because there there are people like we were talking about before. People think it's a superpower, but if you can teach them behind the scenes of that superpower, mm -hmm. and here's how I do it: reveal the superpower, like the magic trick. You know, reveal right. the magic trick. Right. Everybody wants to know how that magic trick was done. Well, here you go. You know, and you can right. charge for it and put it on you know Udemy or however you want to do it, and you know it. Uh, I think I think you could make it into a nice, uh, you know, supplemental income product. Yeah. yeah. Thanks right. for that tip. Yeah. <laughs> and you're already, you know, it's already you already developed it. You know, it's all you have right, to do is record right. it. All right. Let's let's get to the final question. What is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I'm going to start with Jamie. I would say is set a coffee meeting at least once a week with someone that you do not know much about their business. That's an excellent answer. Good job. You know, and, and, and if, and, thank you. And, and, and I would say in, you know, and you can stretch that even further is it might be a contact that's you haven't seen in a while. And, and I think that, you know, I think that reconnection, that sort of face to face short reconnection is, um, very, very important. Um, I, I, try and remind myself to do that. And, and, and that's a, a good habit to yeah. have. Yeah. I, and, and to make it a weekly or a monthly, however you want to do it, but a habit that you do as part of the routine, uh, on a regular basis. And maybe even like you were talking about limiting your sketches, limit the time. So when you invite somebody say, I, ha I have this practice, I do it once a week or once a month. I want to have you come and we'll go get a cup of coffee. We limit it to a half hour. So we know at the end of the half hour, we both have things to do. We're going to go because a coffee could last two hours. You know, exactly. If you connect yeah. with the right friend or, or an interesting person that you <laughs> mm -hmm. haven't met before, you can easily spend the whole day sitting in a coffee shop talking. But if you make it intentional and set the expectation that this is a half hour meeting or an hour meeting, whatever you want to set it at, and say, okay, at the end of the at the end of the hour, we're going to wrap things up, and if we want to do it again, we'll schedule another time to do it. Um, we'll allow you to continue to do it on a weekly basis. That's a great idea. Um, Mr. Nicewinder, what's your answer? <laughs> I, so I've been thinking about, I guess for me, my advice would be to never stop learning or never fear something new because I, you know, I work in a small office and I've worked in a variety of different size offices. And, um, I think our profession is one where it should naturally encourage you to want to learn additional things. I think some of it is set up automatically, right? You know, codes change every three years. So you should be learning new, co you know, the additional codes every year. But uh, aside from those technical things, I think it's anything from uh, new design software or new even productivity software thing, you know, nowadays with the advent of iPhone apps and Android apps and computer technology increasing so fast is people are creating a lot of different new things that, you know, yes, some may not work for you and some do because, you know, just the way your brain interacts with these uh, technologies. But I would say, don't be afraid of it. Um, I just, per, speaking from personal experience, I know a few people in our profession that um, just kind of stopped right? They, they got to a certain point of technical skill level, you know, and, 
they say, well, this is how I do things and then I'm good and I'm going to stop here and just do this for the rest of my career. But I don't think that in my opinion is, is the way to go in this profession as things are continuing to change. You know, the recession changed how firms are structured as far as how many people there are. You know, the firms are a lot smaller than they used to be, at least of anecdotal evidence that I've gathered around here in Michigan and, you know, going back to California. And so I think you you shouldn't, you should always try and keep learning. Otherwise you may find yourself, you know, out on the outside looking in versus in, you know, being a part of it. And And it's not to be a threat or anything like that, but I think, um, you know, what's worked for me and I feel like I try and keep learning things like, well, you know, we decided to start this podcast. Well, I don't really know anything about recording remotely with somebody in Texas. What equipment do I need? What software do I need? You know, and I, I, I didn't fear it. I just started researching it and trying to figure out a method that could work for us. And as an example, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't wind up being very hard, um, but there are things to learn, you know, and, and I think it's an example of how we, you know, something comes along our path you know, you, you either the fight or flight, I guess, right. Mm -hmm. You know, some people will fight it or I should say they would flight. (laughs) They would run the other direction. And then maybe the fight aspect in this case is, is jump over the hurdle, right? Take that leap and learn. Yep. Yep. Jump off the cliff. You know, if there, if there, if there's a, if there's a, a challenge before you just do it, just, just go at it and, and just accept that it's not going to be perfect. Right. right. That, just, yeah. that there's that Critical. you can just you can just accept that that it's going to be a crappy first draft. And then you <laughs> learn a little bit more and you learn yeah. a little bit more and you learn a little bit more and get better at it and get better at it. And in time yeah. you get good at it. And and I think the same thing goes with um, learning new skills. I think uh, many architects, especially in my generation, uh, are afraid to maybe move from CAD to to a BIM mm-hmm. platform because they're afraid that it's going to take too much time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if the commitment is not, oh, I'm going to learn Revit, you know, that's a huge commitment. Maybe you chop it down to a baby step and you just Mm -hmm. make a commitment Mm -hmm. that every month you're going to learn a little piece of it. Right. And you're just going to introduce yourself. You're going to read an an article about it. You're going to watch a video about it. And then but if you do it every week, you'll start to learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it'll start building your knowledge on a regular basis. And eventually you'll be able to jump off the cliff and do it. Yeah. I I mean, one more, sorry, I just thought of another example is I, you know, Jamie is, is, is a, I would say a master of, of the physical sketch, the hand sketch. And something that I've been trying to pursue recently is, is a digital sketch in the sense of, um, using, um, grasshopper, rhino and grasshopper. And, and the sort of, I intrigued by grasshopper as a uh, what they call like object oriented or uh, visual scripting so that you can plug together these components uh, on the, in, in grasshopper. And that's like a sketch, right? But it's not, it's not a hand sketch, but it's sort of sketching out an idea that then becomes architectural um, visualization in, in the Rhino software. And I'm terrible at it, but people like, <laughs> Again, Evan Troxel, who is director of digital practice at his firm, uh, 
is super generous in sharing things with me as far as concepts, ideas, and and some s- small scripts. And and so I'm currently tinkering with that software, and I'm not yet ready to jump off the cliff and see if the parachute works. But you know, I, I I'm trying, and I and enjoying the process. Trying, I, you know, I'm not tomorrow gonna be yeah. doing everything in that software, but it's it's just part of I don't know, it's just something I'm interested in. Yeah, but the commitment is to learn something new every week, just one one thing. And so mm-hmm. if you learn a little bit more every week, you gain enough knowledge to to know how to do it. And not, so. be, and not be afraid to fail at it too. Right. I mean, a little yeah. bit. I mean, you know, that's the, you know, we've, we talked about Kurt with his um, sort of digital sketch and, and, you know, he realized, you know, as he's sort of describing some of this digital process to me and, and, you know, printing something off and then sketching on top of it, I was like, Kurt, you realize I do that too. It's like, <laughs> I was like, you know, this is, you know, and, and that's the thing is that I think it's, you know, all of us sort of have our, our methods and, and what's, you know, when you start to peel back the curtain and start to share a little bit more, yeah. um, you know, as, as architects, if, you know, if, if all of us shared a little bit more about what we're doing, I think the community of architecture, you know, is better, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as a whole, I mean, you know, with, uh, with with both things, I think learning every day and not being afraid to learn, but then also sort of connecting with folks face to face and and talking to them for a little while. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. I think sharing is a, is is one of the most important things as a profession that we should mm-hmm. be doing is sharing our knowledge uh, because we all grow when we do that. There's no Absolutely. there's no disadvantage to that at all. Even if they're a direct competitor, there's no disadvantage right. to that because there's no there's no secret weapon. There's no secret no. recipe. We're all doing the same thing. And when you share it and they share it, then the two of you just got much better at whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. The the podcast is called Coffee Sketch Podcast. You can subscribe to it anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. So if you're listening to this podcast, you can search for it and you can subscribe to it right now. So go do that. Uh, on the web, they are coffeesketchpodcast.com. So go over there and check that out. And you can listen to everything that they're doing there as well. Um, if you want to check out Jamie's sketches, it's at Fallout Studio. At Fallout Studio. Is that name because you started the firm during the recession? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the earlier incarnation of my my firm. Uh, and it's it's become sort of a nom de plume uh, <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, I like it. It's at Fallout Studio. It sketches... On a daily basis? Uh, pretty good about the pretty, daily. Yeah. Pretty close to daily. Yep. It's a great feed to go follow. Uh, Kurt Nicewinder and Jamie Crawley. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys for a little while. So thanks for coming here, inspiring a few of us, and, uh, and sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks. I appreciate thanks it so much. much. Yeah. So if you liked this episode, this was episode 283. Share it. Share it with a friend. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 283 is the link to share. And don't forget, go check out Entree Architect membership at EntreeArchitect.com slash join. Every month, expert training, 60 minutes, in and out, back to work. Go check it out. EntreeArchitect.com slash join. And if you're an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you, my friend, 
or an entree architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.